Thank you, Larry, Mark, Linda, Don. Thank you so much for uh, your service this morning. Our text this morning is going to be in Revelation uh, chapter 1, and we have a handout for you uh, to, uh, to use. Let me just very quickly say, uh, remind you each week, uh, Danny Alewine is still obviously in that battle in his struggle against cancer, um, and it's just been ongoing. I, I believe it's uh, certainly right around, well, over two years, but uh, many of you know Danny has been struggling with cancer uh, his entire life, and I believe since the time he was four, maybe even younger. Uh, but I just, it, it's good to be mindful uh, of those folks that we know and we love and we care about and need our prayers. Uh, Danny and Karen both, it's been a terrific toll on them. They need our prayers and need our love, our support, so I just would encourage you to continue to keep them in your prayers. April Smith is home. She's healing. Uh, Scott wasn't doing too good last week, but he's here this week, and uh Amen. It's good, good to have you. So there's always many to pray for. I would just ask you to be mindful and uh, keep those folks in your prayers. Um, I will tell you briefly, uh, so it would have been yeah, Friday night late, Saturday morning. I could not sleep. I just couldn't sleep. I was struggling. And so I, uh, I, uh, <laughs> I stayed up and, uh, and, and I watched, I, I don't know what the channels are, but uh, the, I watched uh, all the ministry, Christian ministry. There's a whole section of probably six, seven, eight. And I was just trying to, get, you know, get some rest. And my mind, I couldn't, and I couldn't sleep. And I, so I just locked in, and, and, I, and I was listening. I, I listened to uh, series after series, just several of them, um, for probably four hours. And it was interesting to me to hear those other voices. I, uh, who they were doesn't matter. I'm not going to talk about that. But it was a wide range, uh, doctrinally, theologically. And, uh, and so i just listening. And I was listening to their voices. By the way, I will say this. I listened to a sermon from 1983. Uh, an evangelist preached on heaven and hell. And I have to tell you, it may have been, uh, if not the best, one of the best sermons I have ever heard on the biblical, literal, specific, uh, you know, the, the scriptural reality of, of, of heaven and hell. It was, it was, uh, it was good. And so, uh, but I listened. What I was hearing, um, especially on those messages that were dealing with where we're at now as a country, as, as a world, um, I, I was hearing a lot of stuff from the book of Revelation. Uh, I heard uh, at least four different uh, evangelist pastors. The focus on their message was uh, out of Revelation, the end times, things that are taking place or were taking place uh, 2,000 years ago in the life of the church and then applications today. It was interesting having to uh, listen to that. I don't believe in coincidence. So just I say that as a, as a starting point. Uh, in Revelation chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. We'll read. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show to his bondservants the things which must shortly take place. And he sent and communicated it by the angel, his angel, to his bondservant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. 
Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. The time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. And he made us to be a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he's coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. All the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. Even so, amen. I am, this is Christ speaking, uh, the red letter words of Christ. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. As I was listening to the words and uh, these different pastors and evangelists uh, and the topic of their message, I could certainly, I, I, could, I could associate with them. Um, just simply from the standpoint of uh, we live in fearful times. I mean, we just do. These are difficult times. They're different times. They're strange times, and they are. Um, I can't remember in my lifetime with all the specific things that are taking place globally, I, I don't remember. I, I can't. I've mentioned this recently in the last several months. I, I lived right at the, through the end of the Vietnam War, was concerned about being drafted. Um, of course, we had uh, the Cold War between us and Russia, and then we had the Gulf, uh, you know, out there in um, the Middle East, all of the struggles, the wars, the, 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 uh, and then just terrorism. And you could go on and on and on, and 9-11, and you just, but this is different. I, I talked to my father recently. Uh, he was alive during World War II, and he remembers. He remembers listening to Theodore Roosevelt address uh, the nation on radio. They had the radio, and, and he said he remembered at, at a very young age being scared. That it, He said this to me on several occasions. He said, you know, we weren't sure we were going to win that war. We just weren't. And so now here we are today, and, and they're challenging times. Um, we're a divided country. We're absolutely a divided country. You would have to go stick your head in the, in the sand to not know and believe that we're a divided country. The tensions that exist are divisive, and that may just be the kindest word. I mean, if you try to then define what divisiveness looks like, We've, we're witnessing it. We're a divided country. And as bad as it is, and it's interesting that, that Larry made that reference to the Civil War, we've not yet picked up arms against each other, and we've not yet killed over a half a million of each other in conflict. So uh, it's bad, and it's different. Some of the elements of it are different. Uh, for me personally, the concern for me and I think the concern for you, if you're a professing Christian, is, okay, so as a Christian, if I say that I'm a Christian, if I say that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, 
and I believe that, then my thinking and my spirit and my emotions and my life is supposed to look differently. It's supposed to look differently than uh, someone who's not. And not just in a divisive time, but the entirety of our life. Our marriages are supposed to look different. The way we do business is supposed to look different. The way that we raise our children is supposed to look different. The way we uh, live and act uh, intimately is supposed to look different. Uh, the things that we value is supposed to be different. We can't be. The scripture is very clear. The scripture said we can't be friends with the world and friends with God. We've been called to be that peculiar people, that sweet aroma, that light, that salt. And the Bible is very clear about what that looks like. If we say we don't know, it's because we have not invested the time to know. God, as he has saved us, gave us his Holy Spirit. He gave us that spirit. He gave us his word. We have the body of Christ, the church. So we can know. We can know how we're supposed to live in every area of our life. The Bible doesn't leave any, any specific area in our life where you and I could say, I don't know how I'm supposed to act. I don't know how I'm supposed to think. I don't know how I'm supposed to live. We won't have, and we do not have that excuse. We don't. So the truth is, here we are. This is what, these are very difficult times, and it would be hard not to have some fear in you, wouldn't it? It just would be. I look forward to this uh, the, this upcoming election. And when I say look forward to it, I'm looking forward thinking in my own mind, just logically and empirically. I'm thinking, well, if this guy's, you know, if Trump remains president, okay. If, if, if this guy becomes president and I'm just logically, empirically going through the process and looking at our country and everything that's going on. And I have to tell you, there's fear, there's concern, there's worry. There's a certain level of stress. There is. Now, it's not in, in, encompassing. It's not overwhelming me, but it's there. I think about it. I hear it. I'm trying to watch less and less and less of the news, spend more time in prayer and in God's Word. But I have to tell you, I'm concerned. And I'm not, I mentioned uh, this week with someone, I'm not so much concerned about me. I'm really not. I, listen, if I had to um, pour out my heart to you and just share with you, the thoughts on my life, I, I really believe that I have been immensely blessed. I'm very thankful for the life that the Lord has given me. My failures are mine, and the victories that I have are from God, and I can live with that because his blessings and victories are so, so much more than my failings. And I look at that, and I think, okay, there's things that I wish in my heart of hearts, things that I've said, things that I've done, attitudes that I've had that I wish to God I had not said or felt or thought or acted the way I did. But I have to tell you, I really believe that, uh, that I have been blessed. And I hope you feel the same way in the Lord. I do. And so I'm not worried about me, but I have to tell you, I look up here, and by the way, what's the name of the young man who said the prayer this morning? What's his name? Sean? Sean? What a fabulous prayer. Wow, outstanding. You've had some, uh, somebody has been working in your life spiritually. And what a blessing. What a great prayer. I think we're all encouraged by that. But I do, I, I say, okay, I know who I am. I know where I've been. I know where I'm at right now. 
And uh, God, you've given me today. The scripture says today is the day that the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad in it. I'm, I'm good. But, and so uh, Paul writes of Philippians, to live as Christ and to die as gain. If I go on living, I'll serve him. If I die, how much better? But I, in my heart, I would say, you know, it would be very difficult to be a, a young parent in my 30s and having children to raise. I think the burden in my mind and my heart would be, I'm just looking forward and I'm thinking, huh. It's burdensome. And so that's the things, that's what's going on now. There's a little bit of my experience, but I read Revelation. And here's what I know. And I'll tell you very quickly, in, uh, I had the benefit and the privilege of sitting with, uh, under the mentorship and the discipleship of a, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Ian Fair. And he is, uh, he is an internationally renowned scholar and he spent many, many years uh, just working on and doing the scholarly work of the book of Revelation. And so for one year, we met three times a week, uh, about six hours a week uh, for over, well, it was right at 50 weeks. And I had the opportunity to sit and study and be taught and do all the assignments. And uh, we literally, in that year's time, I will tell you this, the only book in the Bible that we did this. He didn't go through verse by verse or chapter by chapter. He went word by word. He went word by word, punctuation mark by punctuation mark, and, and he gave us every possible scenario. He harmonized every word in the book of Revelation with the rest of Scripture. I mean, this man, he, he wanted the truth of Revelation, the last revelation in God's Word, in the book, in the Bible, the last revelation to the New Testament church 2,000 years ago, the relevant revelation to us, and he wanted it embedded in our brains, in our spirit, our mind, our heart, and our life. The understanding, the emphasis, the structure, the need, the spiritual inspiration that was in this book, the revelation. And so we did, and uh, now he said this, and I can't do it. He was a South African brilliant man, and he said, at the end of our year together, he said, two things are going to happen. He said, uh, the first is you're going to know that uh, when, through the study of Revelation, we win. He said, that's the first thing. You're going to know Christians win. We win. We win. The second thing that you're going to learn and, uh, is that the book of Revelation is boring. Now, he said, it's not, it's not boring. But he said, let me clarify that statement. And I remember as he's standing before me today, Boring in light of the uninformed, the uneducated, the unwilling to learn, want or have decided that they understand uh, what it is they believe about Revelation. And what he was saying is, as we go through this study, you're going to find out some things. That, that as, as, man, as mystical as this may seem to us, as supernatural it is to us, as difficult as it may be to understand us, when John wrote this revelation, Christians were being persecuted at a level that we have not yet entertained in this country, and we have not. And I hope and pray to God that we don't. But we have not. As difficult and as, as unsure things are, the persecution that was happening to the New Testament church 2,000 years ago, and God giving John this revelation, the Apostle John, one of the original 12 disciples of John, his hand-picked, hand-chosen, older man now, he has been exiled to the Isle of Patmos. He is a religious prisoner, so to speak. Uh, his own people, God's, uh, the Jewish leadership of the day had conspired against him. The Roman Empire was against him. 
He was alone. He was exiled. God gave him this revelation at a time of persecution that I really genuinely believe would be difficult for you and I today in 2020 in Curtin, Texas or anywhere in America to fully understand the level of persecution. So he gave it to him. But what he did was he used language and colors and numbers that it may seem forward to you and I. He used history, events, statements, all of these things, numerology, the study of number, that I can assure you if you were alive 2,000 years ago, heavily persecuted as a Christian, and you got John's letter, the revelation, it would have made clear, it would have made sense to you. It would have. All the things that John writes, whether he talks about the use of anything, every dynamic in the book, the numbers, the colors, the history, the dynamics, the play, whatever it is, it made perfect and complete sense to them. Now, I'm not going to go through all the dynamics. I would. I'd love to do a study, a Wednesday night or even a Sunday night study on Revelation. But I assure you that this Revelation, although it may not make sense to us, it made sense to them. And, and then here was, the, here was the bridge. And he said, if you'll take the time to study it in the language and the context and the history that it was written in, you too can understand it. And that's what we did. And he was right. At the end, I, what I is yeah, it, oh yeah. If I was alive 2,000 years ago and I understood the cryptic language that had been passed down and used by the Jews for, for 1,500 years and uh, the way they used numbers and all the things that they did, I would have understood it. I truly would have understood it. And we can understand it. But so here's what I want to say to you this morning. That the first eight verses set the premise and really it is a statement of fact and encouragement for Christians who are being persecuted at a level that, as I said, we can't, I don't believe that we can imagine. Now, so in this revelation, John makes these opening statements and every one of these opening statements was to punctuate something. And it was to punctuate the very last verse of these opening statements, and that is verse 8. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Now here's, what, here's the truth about something. When you and I are being, when we're under great duress and we're, there's a great fear in our life, what are we looking for? I mean, if we're under fear, we believe that um, danger is imminent. We're suffering. What do we want? Well, we want deliverance. What do we believe or where do we believe deliverance comes from? Power. Power. When you're under the same persecution that these Christians were 2,000 years ago, you felt powerless. You felt helpless. And I think today we're beginning to get a measure of that. I do. I think if you're a Christian today, there has to be a sense in your heart that maybe you feel weak. Maybe your faith is struggling. Maybe you look at the future and you think, oh, what is going to happen? What is going to happen? Our country and everything that we have valued, the Constitution is under fire, the Bill of Rights. Uh, we have young people throughout this country that are rioting and protesting and pillaging. We have people talking about defunding the police. We've got 
uh, we've got things that don't make sense to us. We see a double standard in our politicians and in our government, and we see a government divided, and, and what's law over here is not law over here, and, and there are people that are unwilling to enforce the law, and, and we have a whole generation of people that are out of control, and they don't have any respect for anything or anybody. And the truth of the matter is, if, you're, if you've bought into this whole racial tension, I mean, you in your mind, you've probably gone through the, the logical stand. Now, wait a second. I never owned slaves. I don't think there's a descendant of slaves living today. America's the land of opportunity. And although we're not a perfect land, I mean, you could, anybody, anybody, we have more things and more rights and more potential uh, afforded to us than any nation in the world. Well, when, since when has it been a crime to be poor? I mean, when it, since when has it been a crime to be of any ethnicity? I mean, in this country, and I know them, and you know them, and we know them, there are plenty of people who were grown and born and raised in a situation where they were poor and uneducated and an ethnic minority, and they took advantages of the God-given rights in this country to overcome that, to build a life, to pursue life and liberty in the pursuit of happiness. And you know them. We know them. And so there's these messages, and they're just out here, and they're everywhere, and they're just overwhelming to us, and they're a bit confusing, and we don't really believe, many of us don't really believe this is about racism, and other people passionately believe it's about racism, and, 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 and everything that we've believed, it's under scrutiny, and the walls are being torn down, and, 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 and justice seems to be, huh, I would, Jason, I would hate to be a police officer in today's world. I would just hate to be a police officer. I mean, it's just, I'm doing, I'm, I've done a poor job of trying to describe to you just the logic that you may be going through and the things that you're trying to work out in your mind and your heart. But as a Christian in the midst of all that, you have to be at least some point saying, okay, God, what's up? Where are you? Is this the way it's supposed to be? I, I'm, I'm fearful. And it's okay. It's right there in the Bible. Elijah, after this great victory over the Baals, what did he do? He was still consumed. He was consumed with fear for Jezebel and he would flee. Read about Job's suffering. Jeremiah would say, God, you've become like a deceptive stream to me. Cursed be the day I was born. Christians struggle. The very best, God's prophets, his apostles, they all fled in fear, in Christ's greatest moment of need, in spite of everything that they had seen. Peter fulfilled the prophecy of Jesus when, in fact, he did deny him three times before the rooster would crow. The reason the Bible has so many lessons about fear is because we're fearful. We're fearful. And so I'm not going to be able to do this whole message this morning for time's sake, but I, I do want to start. I, it, here's what John, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, through the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him, to show his bondservants, to punctuate their condition in life, to punctuate and give them the evidence of what was happening in their life. They needed to be sure of one thing from the mouth of Jesus Christ himself. And that is that he is the Almighty. 
He's the Almighty. On your handout, I put the Greek word for Almighty as uh, pantodinimus. But what that means, the way it, it's unrestricted power exercising absolute dominion. So when Christ says that he's almighty, he's saying that his power is unrestricted. It's unrestricted. And he exercises absolute dominion. Christians 2,000 years ago needed to know that, and I say to you Christians throughout the world today need to know that because we're fearful. And I have to tell you, as much as I would like to see a certain people in, in public office, I'm just going to tell you, the President of the United States of America is not almighty. The United States Supreme Court is not supreme. It may be supreme here in this land at this time, but it's not almighty. There's no senator or congressman or governor or mayor that is almighty. There's no police department that is almighty. There's no government official that is almighty. There is no amassed military that is almighty. So no matter how logically or empirically you see this thing moving forward, you can rest assured of one thing. If we put our hope in anything, in any form of government, in any leader of government, in any police force or military force or, or a written constitution other than the word of God, it's not almighty. It will never be almighty. It will never have unrestricted power and exercise absolute dominion. It won't. It can't. And so I have to start and I need to start no matter what's happening around me. I need to be reminded that Jesus Christ is the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And in your handout, you see verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ given to him from God to show his bondservants. Now, I mentioned a bondservant, and I'm not going to, I may revisit this next week, but there were servants, but a bondservant uh, was different than other servants. A bondservant was someone who could never leave their master for another. That wasn't true with the other slaves. But this was a bondservant was someone who could never leave his master for another. And so the revelation of Jesus Christ the Almighty, which God gave him to show his bondservants, was concerning the things which must shortly take place. 80% of the book of Revelation is written in present tense language. Present tense language. Very little of it is written in future tense. In very little of it. The premier statement that deals with the future, future tense in the book of Revelation is that Jesus is coming again. That's in the future, you can be sure. But we don't know when. We don't know when. I, I want you to go to Daniel chapter 7. This is, uh, if you study Revelation, you certainly have to study Daniel. And this was a vision that was given to Daniel. And in verse 9, 
in verse 9, he had been given a, a vision. We read, I kept looking until thrones were set up. And the Ancient of Days took his seat. Now, if you go back to that Revelation chapter 1, you'll see that his testimony was th from a throne room, the testimony of Christ given to him by God to John for us was given from a throne room. And so uh, I kept looking until thrones were set up in the Ancient of Days with his seat, took his seat. His vesture was like white snow and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire. A river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands were attending him and myriads upon myriads were standing before him. The court sat and the books were open. Try to conceive of that. Just imagine having that in a vision. We have it in the word of God. And, and the books were open. This, then I kept looking because of the sound of the boastful words which the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and the body was destroyed and given to the burning fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but an extension of life was granted to them for an appointed period of time. Now church, listen to this. I kept looking in the night visions and behold with the clouds of heaven and behold with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming and he came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him and to him was given dominion, glory and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. This is the picture in the throne room that God in his throne room would appoint his son and give him complete dominion and a kingdom. When you think almighty, when you think almighty, I want to ask you something. And I want you to think in terms of, of a kingdom the very first message that Jesus preached was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He would say in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, seek ye first his kingdom and all these things will be added to him. I want to just state to you this morning, there's only one relevant kingdom that exists today. And if you're a Christian, you're in that kingdom. And that kingdom is more powerful than any kingdom that has ever existed and any temporary kingdom that might exist. The kingdom of God, the body of Christ, the church today, you know it breaks my heart. You know, I, I mentioned many times when I get up here that the psalmist writes, I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. And I'm so grateful. It's so blessed it's to see you here this morning. It is. But I've seen this church almost full. I, I'm familiar with what's taking place throughout the United States, talking to other pastors and right here. And Brian, we got people that uh, 
They're not going to church. And I understand that. Listen, I'm not judging anyone. In fact, I understand. Many of us are, you know, we're trying to be obedient to what the government has said. Many of us don't, we don't want it. Not only do we not want to get sick, we don't want to get someone else sick. I get that. I do. But let's, let's take us out of this time. Let's take us out of this period. And as grieved as my spirit is to see, you know, half the church here, less than half, I have to tell you I'm also thankful. I'm grateful. Let me explain that. Christ was given a dominion and a kingdom, and it's an everlasting dominion, and it's an everlasting kingdom. And either we believe that or we don't believe that. I will tell you what I have witnessed over the last several months in ministry. And I would never judge anyone's heart. We're going to be judged by our fruits, by our deeds. But I would say to you, I am so thankful that throughout the world today, God's people, His kingdom, are still assembling. They've decided that we're going to assemble. And we're going to sing praises and we're going to read the scripture and we're going to listen to God's word and we're going to find encouragement in our relationship with God and with one another. I am so grateful for that. I'm grateful that we have social media and that people can continue to praise and and worship God. And as I said, I would never judge anyone's heart, but I will tell you this, I do believe this with all of my heart. I think at least if there's anything that's happening right now, in this world and with this pandemic and all of the uneasiness and all of the double standards and and all the political division and all the, the, the cultural division and the anger and whatever it is that we see and we hear, here's what I know. That God established a kingdom and His kingdom has a king and it's His Son and that that kingdom will endure forever and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And I have to tell you what I'm seeing, as, as thankful as I am, there is, there is some fear in me. Because I also believe there is a winnowing going on, and I believe it. I believe there is a separation between the wheat and the tares. I believe it's right out of Scripture. I believe that there are Christians today, and I have believed in this country for over 200 years, Christianity has looked like something that God did not intend for it to look like. Christianity has looked like an establishment of a church here or there and a denomination or or whatever it may be and a theological and a doctrinal influence or whatever it may be. And I have seen and one of the things that has burdened my soul, and it's not just one of the things, it is the thing that has burdened my soul more than anything. And that is what I call the, the silliness of Christianity, the futility of Christianity. I have watched Christians as part of the kingdom of God get upset, get offended, fight, politicize, try to hang on to something, the ugliness, the divisiveness, all of those things that are not of God. It's like a bunch of unruly children, undisciplined, selfish children. We mock each other. We mock church leadership. We gossip. We're divided. We're angry. We're split. We're all these things. And let me tell you what I have believed and what I do believe about what's happening right now. I think there's a putting away of the foolishness. I think there's putting away of the casualness. 
If revelation is about anything at all, it is a call to the attention of God's people that you, you need to know something. You're a kingdom. And your kingdom is far greater than the Roman Empire. And just as God sent plagues on the Egyptian, uh, the Egyptian and, and Pharaoh 1,500 years prior to this, he's gonna, if the same thing's going to happen. You don't have to fear Rome and its emperors. You don't have to fear the persecution you're going on. But you need to be honed. Look at the seven messages to the churches in Asia Minor. You better get it right. You better get your mind right. You better get your spirit right. Because he is coming again. We are being persecuted. You have nothing to fear. You serve in a kingdom who is reigned and who is being reigned by the Almighty. We're the same today. That correlation works today. God has not given up the throne. Jesus Christ has not given up the reign. He's still on the throne. And he's almighty. And so as difficult as this has been, I am hearing and I'm seeing. I'm seeing that casual Christianity. I'm seeing people are leaving the church for one of two reasons. Their Christianity was casual to them. Or there's fear. And I'm not talking about church attendance. The Christianity has been something in their life, but it's not been the thing. There's two kingdoms. There's that God's kingdom, the church, and then there's my kingdom. That's we, the first kingdom we ever build is ours. And we seek to add to our kingdom. And, and, and we have the glory and we have the dominion. And we operate from our might. And I've seen it and I've witnessed it. And what John is telling to persecuted people is that, and we're going to extend this next week. I want to I go through these verses uh, next week completely. But God is saying to people who are being persecuted in great fear, there's something you can be sure of. There's a testimony. You can bear witness to it. That we can trust in the Almighty. And there's evidence for the Almighty. I'm going to begin there next week. Because the first seven verses are the evidence the evidence of the unrestricted power exercising absolute dominion of the Almighty, Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful that uh, we do live in a country that's free and we can continue to worship and have fellowship together. And as much as my heart is grieved that There is a winnowing going on, and there is. There's, there's, there is a division of the wheat and the tares. I'm even more thankful than I am grieved because there's an inspiration, and I see it, in the heart of Christians who are beginning, I think maybe for the first time, maybe, to determine how important their relationship with God is. They're looking at God and His Son in ways maybe that they never have before. They're being drawn to him in ways that maybe they have not been before. And if it took a pandemic and a virus for that to take place, well then praise God. Praise God. 
And so as much as I'd like to see this building full on a Sunday morning, I think I'm even more grateful for the individuals the called out, the elect, the Christians that have decided that no matter what's taking place in this world today, I will not live in fear. No matter what's taking place in this world today, I will not stop worshiping. No matter what's taking place in this world, my faith will be built on nothing less than Jesus and his righteousness. No matter what's taking place today, I'm going to serve and worship and trust in my God. Maybe in ways that I never have before. So we'll get into this word next week. Um, I believe it will be of great encouragement to you. I do. I want to, I want to express my gratitude to God um, this morning for the opportunity to be here and worship Him. And I want to thank you for being here to worship him because we serve an almighty God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, uh, we're indeed grateful that in these trying times it, uh, that we can indeed trust in you. We're grateful that no matter what is taking place in our life, you have given us the avenue of prayer that we can get on our knees and cry out to you. That you've given us the strength of your Holy Spirit that dwells within us as a gift from you. That you've given us your word that guides us and teaches us and strengthens us along with our prayers and, and the power of the Holy Spirit. So Father, I pray for your kingdom this morning. I pray for myself. I pray for your kingdom this morning that we truly understand and we're truly tied to and we truly believe, Father, that your Son and our Savior is truly almighty. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.